Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. I would honestly have to tell you that my number one thing that I would say is, is preaching God's Word. It's, it's something that God has called me to do and and it would be my passion. I, it's not my job. It's after after spending after saying spending time with my wife and my kids. Then I would say preaching God's word is my passion. It is. Um, if you were to ask me then after, uh, what is the hardest thing that you find to do in your life? It would be uh, preparing to preach the word of God, and, and they just seem to go hand in hand. Uh, when you find God's purpose for your life, you need to expect opposition against it. It, it, it then becomes the hardest, sometimes most frustrating thing to do. It's God's will. It is. It's just, it's, it, it's just, it is what it is. And so the question then would be, well, why do you do it? If it's, if it's hard, if it's the hardest thing that you find to do is preparing to preach God's word, God's word, why do you do it? Because for me, Matthew Knoll, it's God's will for me, period. It's maybe not God's will for you, but it is God's will for me, and I want to do his will. My son and I driving here this morning, we stopped by the graveyard on university uh, because we were told where Pastor Dale Hope was laid, and I haven't been there yet. And there's currently no stone there yet, but we were told the area, and we found it. There's an old, just old dirt stone with his name Hoken. And Austin said to me just this morning, he said, it's already been eight months since he passed away. And look how fast that went. And, you know, Pastor Dale was, was my pastor as a boy growing up. I remember then as a teenager, I would go to IGC where he would preach the evening services. And, and he was always just, I always had this admiration for him my whole life. And God used his ministry and his life uh, to impact me greatly in numerous different ways. And I know I speak for many when I say that. Uh, but one thing that Pastor Dale did until eight months ago, until he took his last breath, is he did God's will. His life was proof of that. His, his marriage, his ministry was proof that he lived what God wanted him to live. He did what God called him to do. And you better believe he went through the fire. It didn't just come easy for him at all. But, you know, he was a motorcycle gang member way back when, and then God saved him and radically converted him, and, and he was called into the ministry like right away. And, and I remember him saying his first sermon, I think overseas somewhere, he, he, he preached the Bible verse that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it wasn't even a Bible verse. But he lived God's will for his life. And that is a powerful example to me. And to see how fast time goes. It's been eight months already that God has taken him home. And, and it poses a question in me. What am I doing with my time? What are you doing with your time? The time that you have right now, as Blossom just prayed, God woke you up this morning. There's people that don't wake up. They fall asleep and they, they die in their sleep. It, I, I heard about it not too recently, I believe, from Lloyd, someone they knew. This happens. Tomorrow's not promised. Scripture tells us that. And so what are you doing and what am I doing with the time that we have? Because tomorrow it could be over. Today could be our last day. And so... As the psalmist says in Psalm 40, verse 8, I desire, O Lord, to do your will. 
I want that to be our, our focus this morning. Because God has a plan and a purpose. I've heard, pre- you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a very popular verse. And many people quote it. But For I know the plan. I, the Lord, know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. To give you a future and a hope. Not to, not of, not to harm you, right? And, and, and I've heard many people quote that for us today. Amen. And then I've heard other pastors say that's not for us necessarily today. That was for them. And, and they break it down. But listen, it's God's word. It's for us today. Does God not have a plan for you and a purpose for you today? Amen. And so we, we believe that and we want to do God's will with the time that we have left on earth to do it. Amen. And like I said already, when you desire God's will, when you begin to then walk out God's will, you can expect opposition. And, and not just at the beginning, throughout the rest of your time doing God's will, the enemy will try to oppose you. Thoughts in your mind will th- start to oppose you. Confusion and things of the world and, and on and on will be against you doing what God has called you to do. But we must be about our Father's business. And throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find numerous accounts of Scripture where God reveals His will to people. We find the story and the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, says, The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. In other words, pick up your stuff and move. Where do you want me to move? Just go and I will show you, is what he told him. And God says, I'll make you into a great nation, Abraham, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. We know that today, Abraham is known as the father of our faith. He, he lived a total life of faith. And, and the Bible then says in verse 4, so Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran and went. He was 75. He wasn't some young buck that God says, take up your home and move. Where do you want? I'm not going to tell you where. Just go. He wasn't a young man. He was 75 years old. And he didn't know where he was going. But he knew that God revealed his will to him. It was to go and I will lead you. I will show you. And so Abram went. It's as simple as that. And he began to do the will of God. We find in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, God calls Moses one day while Moses was taking care of the sheep and goats of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock across the desert and came to Sinai, the holy mountain. So he's leading the sheep. He's out being a shepherd. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses as a flame coming from the middle of a bush. Moses saw the bush was on fire, but that it was not burning up. And Moses says, this is strange. Amen to that. Why isn't the bush burning up? I will get closer and see. When the Lord saw that Moses was coming closer, he called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he answered, yes, here I am. And verse 7 says, Then the Lord says, I've seen how cruel my people are being treated in Egypt. I have heard their cries out to be rescued and from their slave drivers, and I know all about their sufferings. And verse 10 says, Now, Moses, I'm sending you 
to the king of Egypt so that you can lead my people out of his country. God's will was revealed to Moses. God used a burning bush. God then spoke through the burning bush. But the will of God for Moses was now revealed. I want you to go and set my people free from the slavery in Egypt. We also find about the story of Joseph. We know that Joseph was given a couple dreams from God as a young man. And we know that Joseph, throughout that story, he was rejected by his brothers. He was sold as a slave to Egypt. And then he was bought by a man named Potiphar, and he, and he was promoted in the house of Potiphar after being rejected by his family. And he was blessed, and Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. And then Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him to sleep with him and commit sin against God. And Joseph said, how can I do that against God? And he resisted that temptation. But then Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph, and Potiphar had Joseph thrown into prison. And Joseph was in prison for a couple years. And the guys that he helped in prison, the baker and the butler, then forgot about Joseph. He was forgotten about it in Joseph. And then finally a day came after waiting some more where he was called to the Pharaoh and Pharaoh then promoted him and he was second in charge over the land under Pharaoh. But you, do you see that process that Joseph had to go through? It was all part of God's will for him. He wasn't just given a dream and given a plan and here's what I want you to do, now go and do it. There was a process involved and it was a painful process. Do you know what that feels like? I'm sure we all can relate to that. I'm sure there's many testimonies here today of the pain and the hardship that you're maybe even going through now, but you know you're in God's will. But you believe with me that that day is going to come when suddenly that you're, you're promoted and you're put in that position that you've been prepared for all these years. Do you believe that? It happened for Joseph. One day, his will was finally revealed for Joseph. And all these men, God has a plan. He's got a will for you this morning. You need to know that. You need to believe that. And for me as a father, and my wife and I raising two kids, Austin's 14, he's a teenager now. Jalen's 11, she's like a teenager now. It's crazy. But our greatest desire is not that Austin grows up to be the best drummer, the best hockey player. It's not that our daughter grows up to be the greatest softball player or the greatest singer and guitar player. That's not our desire for them. If they do that, that's great. Our desire and our prayer as their parents is that they grow up and they do the will of God. And I'm telling you, even now as an 11-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy, we are seen as their parents. We are seeing the opposition even towards them. They're not, just because they're young, they're not just um, fully protected and, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Exempt from that opposition. And so my wife and I have had opportunities and times where we've been able to encourage Jalen and encourage Austin in the gift that God has given to them because he's, he's, they're in the process of fulfilling his will as well. I don't care about success or, or money or what type of house they live in or what kind of car he drives or any of that stuff. I want my kids to do the will of God. And we will fight right now as their parents. We will fight in prayer. We will fight in spiritual warfare. We will do what we have to do in order to see that done. It doesn't come easy. Did you know that Sunday mornings are the greatest, most vulnerable time in my household? 
if something's going to go wrong, if there's going to be an argument over burnt toast or a dropped egg in the morning trying to make eggs or something, it's going to be on a Sunday morning between Cindy and I. Do you know that there's been many mornings where I've given in to that? And on the church, I'm apologizing to, to, to my wife. Babe, listen, we can't lead, we got to lead worship in 10 minutes. I'm, I'm sorry. Please listen. Austin and Jay, put your earphones on. Cindy, please. I'm just being real with you. There's opposition. Why? Because we're trying to fulfill God's will. We're trying to do what God has called us to do. But we need to stand our ground. We need to continue to go forward. Whether we're 14 or 75, we've got to keep doing what God has called us to do. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, these are the words of King Solomon. And it's amazing. Today, the world that we're living in is so, their desire is pleasure. Their desire is sexuality. Do you notice how perverted, in a sexual sense, the world is becoming? Sex is everywhere and and in all places. And you can't you, you, you try to you try to protect your home, whether it's on internet or the TV screen or in the line at the grocery store. But the world is just full of lust and sexual pleasure and financial gain and increase on your job and the newest and the latest of whatever. That's the world we live in. And it's not going to get better because the world is living in the flesh. And if you and I were just to live in our flesh, we would want the same. But the Holy Spirit has redeemed us and has filled you and I. So we no longer want that. There's still the battle against it. But our desire is God's plan and God's will. And we find the same, the same struggle in, in the Old Testament as well. It's always been that way. Men struggling with women and, and, and marrying women they shouldn't be and wanting money and fame and popularity. It's always been that way. And we find here the words of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He, be, he, he receives wisdom from God and finances from God and blessing from God as the king. It's from God. He's given it from God. And then he uses it for foolishness. He takes what God has given him and uses it for sinful pleasure. And we read here, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer up myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I, clothed, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my house. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard for, it was all so meaningless. 
like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. What a testimony. What a truth that is. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What does it profit that man? He'll have pleasure for a moment. He'll have the greatest and newest car and home and business and and suit and tie and all that stuff. But what's it matter when he's in the grave? What does it matter? Can you take your money with you to heaven? Can you take your money to hell? What does it matter? Jesus said those words. What does it matter if they gain everything but lose their soul? Solomon looks at everything he had and all the mistakes that went with it, all the sin that was attached to all this pleasure and all this stuff that he had, and he looked at it, and he's telling you and me this morning, it was all meaningless. You see, because he didn't fulfill God's will. God gave him gifts to use for his will and his purposes, and Solomon was foolish with it, and he spent it on foolish living, selfish living, and he came and realized it was meaningless. And then at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 12, verse 13 through 14, he says this, here now is my final conclusion. I've lived my life. I've had everything that a man could desire. And I realize this right now. This is my conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God's going to judge everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. There's the raw reality. And Solomon is the one to reveal that truth to us. It's amazing. But he saw that everything that he was doing, everything that he accomplished in his own will and desires was meaningless. God's will is what matters. We all have a past and we all can, right now, I can think of things in my past over the last 15 years. 18 years of my life, things that I did that were so stupid and so selfish and so not God's will. Have you been there with me? Doing things you know is not God's will, but you do it anyway. And then God in his mercy by his conviction brings us out. But God has a plan. God has a will for you and I. The Bible talks about this in James chapter 4. I love this passage here. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Listen to this. God says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I love that scripture. God is calling out these people. God's not against plans and and goals. I remember years ago, I was involved in another ministry, and I was asked if I was given a certain position, where would I see it in five years? I didn't know. I don't know. And that's not the answer they wanted to hear, but that was my answer in a nutshell. I I truthfully don't know where this would be in five years, but I would be praying and asking the Lord to lead me and help me to do what he would want me to do. That was my answer. Sometimes we get too caught up in the future. Have plans. Have goals. Be wise. There's things in my past that I wish I was more wise in for my future. But we have today. And God is telling us, instead of saying, I have all these things lined up, all of these plans set in place. I'm going to make my business here and get this amount of money and send my kids there and do this and that. Instead of doing that, how about you say, Lord, what's your will? 
What do you want me to do? What do you want me to put my effort into, my strength into? That's what God is telling us this morning. And you notice there that in that passage, there's a question. And that question is, and we've kind of already addressed it, but is, what is your life? We need to stop sometimes and go back and say, what is my life? Right now, am I, you see, because we're all going to go our separate ways after, after today. And you're going to go to your jobs. And some of you maybe are going to go back to your retirement or your ministry or whatever you're going to go to. Like, I work. I work 45 hours a week. I have a job. This the church, graciously, I, I get some income from the church that I'm grateful for, but I can't live on that, so I, I have to work, and you have to work. And I got a wife that needs me to work and says, back, go to work. And my kids need food in their bellies. Right? We all, we're all going to go about our business. We're all going to go about our business, but we need to stop and say, am I using what's in my life for God's purpose? Am I being that witness? Am I being that example? Am I, am I doing what he's called me to do? Am I using the gifts he's given to me to lead worship on a Sunday? Am I doing what he's gifted me to do? What is your life? And James in the scripture calls it a vapor or a mist. There's times I need hairspray most mornings to keep my hair looking so dabber. Is that the word? And when I spray the hairspray, you see a mist and then one second later it's gone. And in light of even Pastor Dale's ministry there, he was not an old man, but In a vapor, it's gone. And that applies for all of us today. And so it's important that we are living out God's will, not our own will. No longer our will, but God's will be done. Notice it says in that passage, today we will go, we will go, we will carry on our business, we will make our money. It's the whole hustle and bustle of the 2019 world we're living in. It's just go, 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 bigger, higher, faster, stronger, more, more, more. God's opposed to that. He doesn't want us focused on that. What is our life? Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. Now, one thing that I've come to learn as I've been trying my best to fulfill God's will is that it's not revealed easily and it's not revealed in a moment. There's times and there's weeks and months and there's seasons in your walk with the Lord where things become very clear and it's like a revelation is given but before that, it, it involves a lot of prayer. It involves a lot of waiting and more waiting and more trusting. And God is using those seasons of quietness and waiting to prune us and to prepare us so that we are ready for that day of revelation when the next open door or whatever it is comes our way. But God's will truly is a journey. It's a journey. It's a It's a lifelong journey, and God faithfully leads us, does he not? The Bible says, this is like one of those verses you learn as a kid in school, but Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I love this verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. I love that verse, because our understanding is so messed up most of the time. Because what we see is what's around us in our fallen world. What we feel is what we feel in our broken and fallen flesh. What we think is so often thoughts that are just trying to be intrusive in, in, in overseeing God's thoughts. Am, am, I, am I not true? Like, it's true. And so we can't lean upon what we feel or see. If we all, this morning when you woke up, if we all just based maybe how we were feeling and, and dictated our morning based on how we were, our understanding... I'd be watching baseball, girls softball right now. It's true. 
But I had responsibility to do this morning. But we can't, if we, if we focus on and we lean, we lean up, I love that. We, we're to rest upon God. We're to lean upon Him, not upon our own understanding or our husband or wife's understanding. That's even worse. <laughs> just, just lean upon God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. What we see so often is so false and so deceptive and so misleading. But our faith in God and His Word will never fail us. And that's how we're to walk. It's a, it's a daily walk. It is a walk of faith. It's a journey. And Cindy and I, in our marriage, to make it a little more personal now, but we've always, always have desired, since I remember 16 and a half years ago after we got married, we've always wanted together God's will for us, not our own. And it, it, hasn't mean, it doesn't mean that we've always done things God's will, but we've always desired it. We always have. I remember before I even knew Cindy, I had this great desire within me to meet a godly woman to marry one day. And I came to learn once I met Cindy that she had the exact same desire at the exact same time that I had it. It was for a year. Hers was for a year where we were both praying and seeking God for the one to find that would love Jesus that we could marry. And when we met each other and got to know each other, we began to realize that we had the same story, that we were praying for each other and God brought us together. There's a love song there. I should write it. But we were 19 years old and we met and we both, we both knew this was God's plan. And so we got married quickly and we just, why wait? Let's get married. Why burn up? Just come on, let's get married here. But praise the Lord. But I, we were married at 20 years old and... We were just working full time and enjoying life and getting to know what married life's all about and getting to know that it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be and all these things. And when we were about 21, we were married for about a year. Out of nowhere, the Lord called us into the ministry. We, we weren't praying for it. We weren't asking for it. But God called us into the ministry together. And Cindy and I began working and helping with the worship team at our church. We were attending KW Christian Fellowship on Bleams Road. We had opportunity to sing and, and, and help lead worship. Uh, the pastor then allowed me to oversee the youth ministry there. And so Cindy and I began doing that, just jumped right in. And we began to learn what ministry was about. We began to learn, you know, about how to teach God's word and, and, and how the challenges of it and what ministry is really about. And so that's where it started. And we were serving together as a newly married couple. And we did that for about two years at KWCF, and then um, Cindy got pregnant with Austin, and next thing you know, when he's 10 months, I'm having coffee with my dad one morning, and he says, hey, Matt, how would you guys like to move to Aurelia? I said, where's that? Is that in America? Is that over in Africa? Where's Aurelia? I did not know what Aurelia was, and he just, he just said that out of nowhere, but something resonated inside of me, and I told Cindy, you should have heard dad, he said, do you want to move to Aurelia? And something resonated inside of her. And this was God at work. He was beginning to reveal his will for us, more of his will for us together as, as husband and wife. And next thing you know, the Lord began to speak to us as we prayed about this. We felt at first we were like, yeah, I don't know. But we begin to pray. We felt inclined. We got to pray about this. And sure enough, the Lord revealed and showed us we need to move to Aurelia. So they moved up Halloween 2005. We moved up. A week later, 2005, and now we're in Aurelia, and 
my dad and mom, they were taking over a small church there, and we were just there to help where we could. We can sing. We can maybe help teach a little bit and all that. We were there, and we got started, and we started to see things grow. And then a few months after, based on lies, they fired my father, which means bye-bye to Matt and Cindy as well. We're out the door with them. And yet we thought we were in God's will. But the crazy thing is that we were in God's will. God was, we were beginning a journey of learning some lessons. And that's all part of it. And God knew what had to be done for my wife and I and for mom and dad as well. And so we begin to pray, okay, now what, Lord? We left everything behind. Next thing you know, we started a really a life center. We met in the Moose Lodge. My wife and I continued to use our gift in worship. We began to get better at it. Cindy began playing the keyboard again. She hadn't played for 10 years as a, since she was a little girl. She began to play the keyboard again. She knew a few chords. And we began to, I got a little bit better on my guitar. And we began to stir up that gift more and, and continue to allow God's plan and purpose to be unfolded. We began to see things in the spiritual realm of, as far as warfare. Prior to this, spiritual warfare was, we, we didn't know much about it at all. But now the Lord began to show us that, that there's evil spirits that want to try to divide the church. That, that, and Paul talks about this in Scripture, that, that false Christ and, and people with divisive evil intentions will come into the church to try to stir up division. And God began to show us that. And I remember during that season, it was extremely hard that, man, he began to teach Cindy how to pray. And I remember in our living room, the kids were sleeping. We would hold hands, and she would begin to, like, yell. Yeah, Cindy, no. She would begin to yell in prayer, and we would begin to take authority, and we were learning. And I'm, I, I remember opening my eyes and watching her. Like, she's, she's doing damage. And then from there it went into, and she'll tell you this as well, we begin to incorporate spiritual warfare in our praise and worship. And we begin to see this battle unfold in our lives. And God was teaching us. And we learned so many lessons. I remember I got involved with this uh, monthly youth meeting they would do. They asked if I would want to come and be the, the, uh, preach at this youth event once a month. Uh, and, and I would do that. And I would see fruit. And there was like probably 100, 125 kids, youth. And I was preaching. And God was begin to... Um, strengthen me in my giftings and, 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 and give more opportunities. And wow, God's will is unfolding here. And then next thing, you know, I had this opportunity to be this youth pastor for six months at this the largest church in Aurelia that we were in, involved with. And I was there for six months, and I, I had reason to believe and assume that this was, this was it. This was that kind of that Joseph moment that I've arrived. Yes, this is, this is the dream. This is what God has equipped me for, you know, all these years. And I honestly believe, I had reason to believe that this, this was it. We literally thought we're going to raise our kids in Aurelia. And, and next thing you know, after doing my internship there, that door closed. And it was given to somewhere else, to somebody else. And, that, and so it's an up and, do you see the up and down? Hey, I'm preaching at a monthly youth thing. Hey, praise God. Okay, we're doing spiritual warfare. Oh, Lord, please just help us. God, strengthen us. Oh, hey, yes, six-term, six-month internship. Youth pastor on the way. Woo, it's going to be great. My future's boom, door slammed. Oh, God, what are you doing? Look, that's just how it is. And all of it is part of God's process. All of it is, I'm still in the, the, the season and the process of preparing me and Cindy and my kids for what he has in store. We're, it's the journey we're on. So that season ended. We prayed. Next thing you know, we're, we're, we moved back home. You already know that story. It was brutal. But God has been faithful all along. He's been faithful through it all. And we're continuing the journey. 
by faith. We read it in Corinthians. We walk by faith. We show up on Sundays to serve. But right now we're still praying, Lord, what, we believe there's more, God. We believe there's more. What is your plan? What is your purpose? What is your will? As the psalmist said at the beginning, Lord, I desire to do your will. Let that be your desire this morning. If we make that our desire, God, God is going to show us exactly what that is. God's going to reveal it to us. And it's going to be totally different for each one of us. Your desires and God's will for you is totally different than what it is for me. But it's important that we do it. Amen? We simply do it. Again, trust in the Lord. We read Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But then verse 6 is many times attached to that. I love it. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight or he will direct your steps. Do you believe that? God's leading me right now. God's leading you right now. No matter what season you're in, whether you're like Joseph in the prison or in, in the palace or in Potiphar's home or in that pit. Remember, they threw him in the pit. It's all part of it. God's still leading you. He never stops directing your steps. Maybe some doors have been closed in your life recently that you thought were going to be open like, they, like for me. And that discouragement sets in. And those thoughts like, God, why have you forsaken me? Lord, I thought this was part of your plan. Maybe that's you this morning. Just know that God is still directing your steps as you trust in him all of your hearts. That's it. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close in prayer. Darlene, do you want to come? We can close in a song. Father, we do want to thank you this morning for your goodness. And Father, each one of us this morning, we recognize the battle sometimes of opposition when we're trying to do what you've given us to do. We're trying to fulfill your will, Lord, because so easily discouragement can set in. And discouragement can be a killer, Lord. We need, we need to, even as we heard last Sunday from Pastor Mike, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. I believe it was last Sunday. Lord, it's so important, God. I, I have failed in that area. I've allowed discouragement to get the best of me at times. But Lord, you're teaching us. Even in those times, you are still teaching us. You are leading us and directing our steps, God. I pray, Lord, even for Austin and Jalen as young people, God, as they are working out their own salvation before you, Lord, in fear and trembling and understanding and and questioning and, and reading the word and praying, God, on their own. Father, that you would show them your plans, that you would direct them as young people. Lord, for everybody here this morning, God, young and old, God, that as they continue to walk out your will, that you would give them the grace they need to do it, Father. That you would open up the doors that are only from you, God. That they would discern what is from God and what is from man. What's something, maybe this is something that I've worked up and it's not God's will. Lord, would you show us that? And may we humbly accept your will, God. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this church this morning, God, our prayer would truly be, Oh Lord, I desire to do your will. That is our prayer this morning, God. That is our prayer. So, Father, we're going to worship you, Lord, for a few moments, and then we're going to close. God, please be near to us. Go before us. May your face truly shine upon us, Lord. We need your presence every hour, every day, God. We trust in you. And, Lord, I pray you would help us to lean upon you and not upon our understanding, God. In Jesus' name. Let's just sing us. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. 
I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.